As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in midweek episode of Hogan Johns. This is your Tuesday on a Wednesday. The Bears try to quickly turn the page to the Saints. Don't you confuse me on the days. The, the Bears themselves are already confused. On, on the days from last week. I, I fully know that it's Wednesday here, Adam. You're just doing an okay. extra podcast. Don't uh, confuse me. Well, the Bears are confused about a lot of things, specifically on one side of the football. They're trying to figure it out. I just came from Hallis Hall. They're already practicing. They've turned the page. It's all about the Saints now. Look good. Super Bowl. Yes. Super Bears. Maybe. Yep. Yes. Ever. Yes. Super Bowl. Did they bring sure. in a new offensive line in? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, and uh, a very important player wasn't practicing. Cody Whitehair is day to day. Allen Robinson, concussion protocol. Day to day. A lot of guys. Wednesday is like the off day. They they have veteran days. They weren't in pads, unlike other Wednesdays. That doesn't surprise me. I don't know. They need a new offensive line. They need uh, they need a lot, they need a lot of different things by Sunday, and I don't think it's coming. But what anyway? Let's uh, we'll try to be a little bit more positive here the rest of the way. How about that Super Bowl? How about that for positivity? They're gonna have well, fans. Welcome. <laughs> <Sorry>. in. <laughs> Go ahead. Get, do your spiel. Uh, the spiel is Twitter accounts. Where to read us? At Adam Hogue, H O G E at Adam Jaws J A H N S. Read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. My 10 Bears things are up for you to read. John says takeaways. They're up for you to read on The Athletic, theathletic.com, 
slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe, and you should. Welcome in. Please rate and review the podcast. Thanks for, uh, we saw some kind words on Twitter uh, uh, last night, too. We always appreciate those. We appreciate you spreading the word. Love our listeners, and uh, hopefully hopefully we help a little bit when things are going poorly. But the Bears are still 5-2. and two. Johns, I just, and we'll get into our voicemails here in a second. I just, I think a theme of this podcast, and we hinted at this on our post-game episode yesterday, I'm just not convinced that anything's going to change by Sunday. No. Nothing. Well, maybe. I do think there's going to be a new punt returner. Yes. Well, absolutely there should be, and I think there'll be a new number two tight end as well, but... Yeah, as far as play calling responsibilities, and we'll get into that in our next segment. But uh, I don't think those major changes are coming. All right. Well, let's do this because I'm I'm uh, I'm I want to know. I can't wait to hear the voicemails from this game. Uh, imagine the bleep button was used a lot. And I imagine there's a lot of stress and anxiety and strong feelings that were given on our voicemail line. So uh, here are your voicemails from Monday night's disaster against the Rams. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hey guys, game day. About 1.30 a.m. Monday morning. I can't sleep. Tossing and turning here. Nervous about the game. We really need this one bad. Bear down, baby. Let's go Bears. If the Bears win tonight, it's time to storm Soldier Field. I'm going there and kiss it. Hey, we finally realized we used a second-round pick on a tight end. We put him in here, and he started to make plays after Harris dropped one too many passes. Bear down. Hey, could someone explain to me why Ted Ginn is returning punts for this team? Or, excuse me, excuse me. Someone tell me why he's standing there watching punts go by him for this team? Uh, can anyone tell me when the last time Nagy caught anyone off guard with a play run with Patterson in the backfield? Can anyone name me a single play? Bears, it's a school night, and I have to go to bed at the half. I better wake up to a W. Guys, I don't care. We can talk how great Nagy is at being a leader of men and building a locker room and all that, but this dude gets outcoached every week. Yeah, what's up, boys? I'm watching you know, the game. It's halftime right now. I'm watching this offensive line get pummeled. Hey, Adam and Adam, this is Adam from St. Louis. If I see Drotmetrius Harris have one more ball go through his hands, I'm going to lose my f***ing mind. Nagy, give up the play calling. It's time to try something else. If I see Nick Foles and Harris come out on the next drive, the TV's going off. Bear down. Hey, I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but Mitch Trubisky can move. This team just f***ing sucks, man. I need you to ask Matt Nagy why his offensive genius offense has three f***ing points. I just got done watching this game with my dad on his 69th birthday, and what was supposed to be a celebration felt more like a funeral. Matt Nagy better be left on the tarmac after that pitch on fourth and one to Cordell Patterson. It feels like Nagy is trying to lose. That is how bad his play calling has been. It is hot, flaming garbage. 
All right, so I finally figured out the formula for beating the Bears. Step one, run the ball. Step two, just field a defense. The worst part of all of this wasn't even watching the game. The worst part of this entire situation is going to be having to listen to the voicemails saying that Mitch Trubisky could make this dumpster fire any better. It's hard to watch. It brings you to tears. Put Mitch in. Let him make some athletic plays. All right, so you got four quarters of offense, four quarters of football. You score three points. If that's not a fireable offense for Matt Nagy, or at least a demotion, to head coach and not offensive coordinator head coach, I don't know what it is. Call me crazy if you will, but after two plus seasons, I, I, I think the Bears offense was better under John Fox. Well, and what else is there to say? The Bears are who we thought they were. End of story. What is Matt Nagy doing? Every single f-ing week, it is the same bullshit. It is the same exact problems we have week over week. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hey, kiddos, it's a, uh, it's a down Bob calling in from uh, Los Angeles. Not down as in like a fighter pilot. I'm just feeling down. Uh, the Bears are here about to lose another game as their second of the season. Which, you know, they're driving to us still, so, you know, it's good and everything, and they didn't look great tonight, to put it mildly, but I gotta feel like this is exactly where this team needs to be. They're back on their heels. They're retreating a little bit. They're gonna be caged. They're gonna be cornered like a wounded dog, and you know what they say about wounded bears in the corners? The most dangerous thing on earth, worse than a nuclear bomb. Anyway, let's go bears. Let's just, let's just go bears, okay? Let's go bears. It's a big day for our guy, Bob Dabrowski, because the Grizzly Giant got a contract extension yeah. down in Miami. Got paid. I don't know what exactly what that says about what the Dolphins are doing with them or, or their long-term vision of things or what that says about Matt Nagy's inability to get the Grizzly Giant those 69 touchdowns that our, our, our friend Bobo <laughs> predicted, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of side with the, the latter on that, and we're completely getting off topic, but I don't think it looks good for the Bears, personally. I don't think that looks good for the Bears, and I said on the podcast yesterday, like I could see a scenario where a guy like Anthony Miller goes somewhere else and flourishes. Not flourishes, but is better. If he's in a simpler offense... I could see how he has more success. One could make the same exact argument. I know what you're about to say. Say it. No, you say it. Mitch Trubisky. What if Mitch went to New England and and, and, and <laughs> not not that he would be great, but just you know, competent? That would be that would be a bad look for the Bears. Yes. But you know what? There was Dice one. Ten. You shook your head in. In the, there was one voicemail in there, and you shook your head that John Fox's offense was better. Didn't we look that up at one point last season? I feel it. it cl- when I heard that voicemail, it clicked in my head that actually the offense with Mitch in 2017 was better than what they were doing last year. Well, in certain games, I, I wouldn't say. I, I have the to way look I f- that up. Yeah, the way I feel about it is John Fox did not want to do anything with Mr. Bisky. 
Trubisky had to make plays for that offense, and the sample size of that season is just too small to to make any grand but comparisons. The, the style of that yes. offense fit him better, and that's kind of what we were getting at with what they were doing earlier this season when Mitch was in there. That you and I both agreed on the podcast yesterday helped the offensive line, which brings me to some numbers that I crunched. wasn't too difficult to do this, but... Uh, do you know how many rushing yards per attempt the Bears were averaging with Mitch as the quarterback? I specifically did the cutoff at the moment Nick Foles came in against the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to guess it's over four, maybe flirting with four and a half. Well, I'm going to give you two numbers. So there's the team, like as a whole, and then I'd na- also narrowed it down to just the running backs. But as a whole, so this includes Mitch's rushing yards, and it includes, you know, any. And by the way, the Bears have. This is another thing I realized while doing this. They have not really gotten anyone else involved in the running game besides David Montgomery, Cordero Patterson, Tree Cohen when he was healthy. Otherwise, there's. There was uh, one play to Allen Robinson, and then since Nick Foles has come in, they gave Darnell Mooney one handoff on a pitch backwards, and that's the only other playmaker that has been involved in a rush rushing attempt since Nick Foles came in. That is crazy to me. Uh, although it's surprising, I'll, I'll be devil's advocate here. I don't think anybody misses the. The jet sweeps to Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller or that tight end play. You know what I'm talking about? That tight end play? Yeah. You know? Underneath there, kind of pulling. You know what I'm talking about? That tight end play? Trey Burton's tight end play? Oh, yeah. But that actually used to work a little bit. A little bit. The pitch? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, when Mitch was the quarterback earlier this season, the Bears averaged 5.26 yards per attempt. Do you know what they're averaging since I'm Nick Foles say came in? It's flirting with two, maybe under two. Two point seven. Basically half. But when you're talking about averages and yards of per attempt, that is a huge difference. Five point two six down to two point seven. Now, that includes what Mitch Trubisky gives you as a rusher. So it uh, and Nick Foles gives you nothing. Most most games he's coming out of it negative when he does rush. Um, so that's why I also wanted to crunch the numbers on just the running backs alone. But there so is a difference there. I did some numbers crunching as well, more like going through our athletic database at Sport Radar, putting in searches. So not exactly crunching, more like searching and you know looking for something very specific. So this is in my five takeaways column. The the under center plays that we talked about, Adam, is completely like it's not even part of the Bears game plan anymore. Okay, I should say it's not, but it's decreased significantly. And by that, I, I have some numbers for you. So first three weeks with Mitch Trubisky starting, the under center play count, 32, 37, 27. In the four full starts with Nick Foles, we have 17, 16, 18, 15, 
and look, it's up on takeaways. You can listen to it. You can read it while you listen to it. And the rushing averages go with it too. The net yards go with it too. There's just a big decrease. Some, something worked, not only for Trubisky in those first couple weeks, but for the offensive line and the run game. And I almost wonder if Matt Nagy has to go back to those games to rediscover what worked. Yeah, I. It, uh, but I think you're on to something there. I think it had something to do with being under center more. And, you know, I asked Nick Foles today, you know, what can you do as a quarterback to help get the running game going? And he, he mentioned, you know, the priest when he has two plays and he's looking at the defense, he has to make the right call. That's a little bit more obvious. But at one point he mentioned play action. And I was like, oh, yeah, remember play action? <laughs> Like, I'm like, what play action? What play action are you running? It's the uh, simplification of things. It's we that the stuff yeah. we talked about the first couple of weeks with Mitch and how yeah. much of that stuff they were running. So Bears running backs first uh, two and a half games when Mitch Trubisky was out there, which this includes a three yard loss by David Montgomery right before the crucial interception that Mitch threw, where he got benched. Four point zero eight. Yards per carry, so above four. That's kind of your usual threshold. By the way, that includes the awful 2.83 that they – people – at the beginning of that game against the Falcons, they were not running the ball very well at all in that game. Um, but overall, it was over four yards per carry. It is This is for just the running backs. It's down to 3.34 ever since Nick Foles came in. So that it shows you that individually with the running backs – the yards per attempt have gone down. And then as a team, just taking Mitch out of the offense, obviously, uh, those team numbers have come down significantly. And it is what everybody understands. The Bears are a very one-dimensional offense. And, you know, not to be mean, but I think you could argue they're zero-dimensional right now. Ooh, that is kind of mean. Is it wrong? You're not wrong, but you're mean. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> Hi, John. John's like, yep, I told you. It's all a problem. <laughs> so someone tweeted at me that uh, they wanted Mark Tressman to come back. Now that's mean. Why is it one of his daughters? <laughs> no, but I'll give Zach Saban a call after the podcast and see how they're doing because he always seemed to have tabs on uh, their Instagrams. Uh <laughs> Don't miss those storylines. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see this? Oh, it wasn't just Zach, by the way. Uh, our, our our guest on this podcast too. We could get the breakdown on the the Twitter terrorists. <laughs> the entire the entire Trustman family. Uh, he used that Instagram. term, like Twitter terrorists. Terrorist. Right? <laughs> Twitter the Twitter terrorists. I miss Mark. You know. I'm sorry. I'm laughing so hard. My face Cliff- is red in the Zoom. I'm laughing. Twitter terrorists. Cliff Kingsbury pulled up Mark Trestman the other day. Twitter terrorists are after. <laughs> Kicked on second down in overtime. Oh, yes, he did. That w- and everybody, every Bears fan knew that that kick was going to be missed because that's what happens when you kick on second down. No, he down. made the first one, right? No, he made the first one, but they had to call a timeout because there wasn't enough time and they had to get out there again. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then they missed it. It's just, it was, it's just the law of Trestman. You know, you know, it's like not going to go in. Uh, uh, here's the thing, though. That's people kind of forget about the Mark Tressman era. 
they had a good offense. In fact, they probably had the best offense of this century for the Chicago Bears. Well, man, I don't know. The two, the, the, the Super Bowl team, that offense yeah, was Yeah, the, the 80s were pretty good there, Adam. So maybe the 2000s. No, 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 no. I'm talking about that. I said this century, the 2000s. Oh, and then yes, I, yes, yeah. Yes, I'm yes, talking about the yeah, year they okay. went to the Super Bowl and lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts. That was a pretty decent offense. Point is, that was not... You take Mark Trestman's offense right now. His issue was the defense and everything else that went into being a head coach. Well, he was a decent offense coordinator, not a good head coach. What we're seeing with Matt Nagy, and I still firmly believe this, I still think he's a really good head coach. It's the offensive coordinating here that's the problem. I was going to say, that is quite the segue to the next part of our conversation. We're so good. We're good. Synergy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, time to bring in a guy who suddenly knows a little bit about offense, experiencing the offensive revolution in Evanston. It's Kevin Fishbane. What was it like watching uh, that offense Saturday and then watching the Bears offense Monday? It was very strange because <laughs> last year, 2019, it was like deja vu all week, every weekend. Saturday, I'd watch Northwestern do nothing on offense, and then Sunday, I'd watch the Bears do nothing on offense. Um, yeah, the Northwestern's got a pretty good offense, and uh, I think the Bears could probably learn a lot. Such as? Well, I'll say this, Mr. Hogue. Uh, Northwestern brought back all of its offensive line, except for its far and away best offensive lineman, who happened to be their left tackle. They stuck in a true freshman from Maine South, and their offensive line looked better than I've seen it in probably three years. So for, uh, you know, I'd start there. Well, you could start there. Uh, I noticed that there was, and by the way, this does have to do with the Bears, so settle down, Adam Johns. I can tell you're getting all antsy already. <sighs> Go ahead. Uh, there was tempo, a lot of tempo early in the game, right? Maryland had no idea what was coming. The tight ends were involved. Uh, there was a mobile quarterback who... Kind of surprised. I knew Peyton Ramsey was mobile. I didn't know he was that mobile. That was impressive. Point is, uh, you know, they switched some things up. The defense didn't know it was coming. And once uh, Northwestern got them on their heels, they kept pushing, right? All we're saying here, Adam Johns, is maybe some lessons to be learned uh, just a little bit farther south of Lake Forest in Evanston. Here's the idea. Next time you're up at Northwestern, just take their playbook, steal it from them, that would be illegal. I would be in a lot of trouble. And bring it to practice one day and just leave it there like you did today. You know, the funny thing Bears is, practice. is usually, usually I go am allowed to go to practices. You know, this is a coronavirus world we live in now. So even I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what was going to happen Saturday night. I had no idea. Obviously, Maryland had no idea. Uh, and it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch 43 points get put on a scoreboard followed by zero offensive points. Well, I guess I don't know. You count a field goal as offensive points? 
And you know, I, I I think Hogue. I'm I'm guessing that a good Northwestern team helps your text messages because I only complained to you twice the whole game. Yes, yes. That I did not feel my pocket buzzing the entire game. And you know, and then having to go, no, I will not walk over to Mick McCall and tell him what you think. I have very good ideas. Um, this year's idea is Northwestern's tight end should not be number zero. He makes him look short. He yeah, should that, be like 80-something. That was an amazing take, I have to say, that the number zero makes you look shorter. I enjoyed that one very much. The college I didn't know the number zero was apparently banned by the NCAA until recently, and so now everybody's wearing it. Um, and that's a that's one note. Why don't you give us some? Why don't you give Matt Nagy some ideas on offense? Uh, yeah, I I would uh, take a look at uh, what was working for you weeks one and two running the football. We talked about this last week, boys. Johnsy wrote about it uh, today. Mm-hmm. Something uh, and, and here's the problem though is I I think all of that was already a moot point in in some ways, but now you lose James Daniels. You, you're you're proud. It certainly seemed like you're not going to get Cody Whitehair this week. From reading the tea leaves, we'll see. Um, th- that's just even going to make it harder for you to get back to what was working for you on the ground. And you could be down Allen Robinson, your best wide receiver. If he remains in concussion protocol, it's it's all a problem, as John Fox was. I think I've said that quote at least five or six times over the past two podcasts. Um, I think ca- you're like subtly calling for John Fox's return. Oh, I'm not. Is I'm what not. I think. Yeah, I don't want to cover that again. No, thank you. Can you imagine him over Zoom? That would just be <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I'm picturing the day of the eclipse when he had those uh, those glasses on. I could just picture him kind of putting his, his face right up to the, the computer camera and just kind of, you know, look Trying around. to figure out the mute button. You know, oh, would, um, I, you know, you know, well done. It'd be well said. You know, we joke, like, we joke around about, like, Dan Weeder has a trouble with the mute button. Mike Berman consistently gets owned by the mute button. Yeah. button. Like, John Fox would not... Farewell. What happened to you today, Kevin? You know, I don't know. I was, I had my video was off because uh, I was, you know, I was listening to Nick Foles, but I was working on something. And then I, I at this, and then I see this thing come up. It says, you know, the moderator wants to unmute you. And I hear Kevin Fishbane in my ears. I go, Whoa. I got, I don't, I don't, I wasn't ready. I didn't have a question for Nick Foles. My, uh, left my hand up from the previous, uh, press conference. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize it was still up. So, which, you know what? I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus because Eric from Bears PR does an incredible job with those zooms. However, I don't think that was fully my fault that my hand was still up. I'm just you got to you got to do the double check though. Yeah, I should have. I should have double checked. Sure your hand goes down. You You're and right. the sometimes Jason Leisure. Yeah, right. Jason. Yeah, I can't speak for what was going on with Jason, but yeah, that was a uh, media fine for me, um, which really doubled up because on Saturday. Uh, I, I called the Rams wide receiver Josh Woods mm. to uh, literally the last person in the Bears you want to uh, incorrectly name someone to in terms of Kyle Fuller because he already doesn't want to talk to you and then you just give him more reason not want to talk to you. Well, and plus people always get his name wrong. Intercepted Kyle Fuller. That's my... Um, 
Question for you. And that is a clean pick by Kurt Fuller. Question for you guys. As we talk about Matt Nagy, his play calling, Nick Foles, and this never-ending transition he's in as the Bears starting quarterback, what do you think it'll take for Matt Nagy to finally relent and give up the play calling responsibilities? I'm not sure who it goes to, Bill Lazor, John Filippo. But what do you think it would take? Like, how bad does this have to get for that to happen? I mean, they're basically uh, – I don't know. Like, have I, they hit rock bottom yet? Because it did look that way, or they a- approached it. They're nearing it. Right. At I mean, least do they like that way Monday night. Do they need to be 32nd in every significant category? Because they're basically like 29th or 30th. They're, they're getting there. Yeah. I, Kev, you had a tweet the other day listing all of it. I mean, it's like they're – they're like 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 32nd in almost every single category. I, 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 okay, does it, let, me, let me rephrase Does it the take question. like some of the players I- intervening? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the question. Here's the – yes, let me – what type of conversations need to happen? Because I don't think Matt Nagy needs to hear it from himself. We're going to play his, his soundbite from the other, other day here in a second, but – he kept saying everyone, you know, reaching this point. Like, what does Ryan Pace have to tell him? What does Bill Lazor have to tell him? What does John DeFilippo have to tell him? What does Dave Ragone have to tell him? Like, what does Nick Foles have to tell him? Like, th- is that what's needed for that for that change to happen? Well, I, I was thinking about the Ryan Pace factor. Um, I, I don't know how that works. I, you have to. Because I feel like when you hear about a head coach giving up play calling, it's always the head coach who says, you know, it was my decision. You know, I I, I did this for the best of the team. Um, I wanted to step back and take a look. And um, so I, I feel like if it happens, it's going to be very much Matt Nagy. And I, I can see Ryan Pace wanting to maybe have a conversation with him about it, but allow it to be try to make it as organic as possible for Matt Nagy to make that decision to give up play calling. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to harp on it again, guys. The playbook that they designed clearly because they were trying to make things easier for Mr. Trubisky worked to a point. And then this is like a regular playbook and it's not working at all. So that, that that's really kind of alarming that, that he, they go out of their way to do, to, to create an offense. That's not really, what we've seen from Matt Nagy the past two years, and it's efficient, not great, you know, wasn't good on third down, um, wasn't scoring enough points. And then when it's like, okay, you have your quarterback, it's time to run your offense now, it's it's been significant, not significantly, but notably worse. I think the thing that worries me is, even if everything has been working offensively for these last three years, you still need to adapt your offense. Like Andy Reid still ru- he's running different stuff than he ran 2 years ago. Like even for the teams that where stuff's working, you need to adapt. So what does it say that things aren't working and it seems like they're just running all the same stuff? I I got a question uh coming off that too and, and maybe you guys you film watchers noticed this too. The separation Bears receivers have at the throw I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's like those Darnell Mooney missing him open. It's kind of notable because how many times has a guy just been open and catches it in stride and can go 
I'm going to let I'll let you guys take that. I'm going to look up some some yak numbers. I'm going to get you some yards after catch numbers in a moment. But but I, I mean, how often is a guy like wide open and, and is able to take off after he catches the pass, you know, in, in, in his route? Like that's Nagy's supposed to at least design these plays to get these guys open. And I just don't think I just don't know how often we're seeing it there. Are, we, we've all wrote about it and talked about times that they have been open. The quarterback hasn't gotten the ball for a variety of reasons. Um, but there's been a lot more of that than them actually getting a, the open guy the ball. Yeah, the yak yards are not good for the Bears. They definitely weren't good last year. Let's well, you look up those numbers, Kevin. Let's hear from Matt Nagy. This is from Tuesday. Is is Zoom call Tuesday about the idea of giving up play calling? Where do you feel you are as a play caller, and is that a role that you would consider giving up to Bill Lazor or somebody else on staff? Yeah, you know, I like I said, I, I always um, I look at all that, and and uh, that's the very first thing that I look at is that. And so I, I talk to our coaches, and we talk through that that whole process. And um, I, I am I'm really honestly not opposed to there. There's there's no um, opposition from me if we feel like that that's what the issue is. Um, and and so we we look at that uh, right now where we're at. Um, that's, that's not where we think it's at, but at the same point in time, I'm going to, I'll always, uh, continue each week to look at it. I mean, I'll say this too, when you're in a little bit of a rut, like we are a lot of bit of a rut, like we are right now, um, you have to look at everything. And sometimes even if it's just a little bit of a change somewhere too, uh, you have to, you have to be able to do that. Um, no one here, coach and or player has too big of an ego to think that, um, it's not them right as a player or a coach so we just we talk through those those kind of decisions and uh you know we just keep evaluating and rolling and and seeing where we're at i don't know about you guys but that's the most open-minded i've heard him sound about the idea we've heard him dismiss it a few times last year he was asked about it at the combine where he basically reconfirmed that i'm calling the plays um and then this time with a little bit of emotion in his voice, I thought he sounded very open-minded to it. Yeah, to a point. And, and I do remember him saying last year when this came up, like, I, I would be open to that. I just don't think that's what is the problem, essentially what he said. I will say this time he was maybe a little bit more open to it. Uh I just don't really see any real indication that that's going to happen. Do you think that Bill Lazor would get the play calling duties or Dave Ragone? Well, I think Bill Lazor should be the leading candidate. He's offensive coordinator, right? Like he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's number he's two. Done it, he's done it before. Yeah, so is John DeFilippo. Uh, but they haven't... Like you Look up the stats from the Dolphins with Lazor, from the Bengals with Lazor, from John DeFilippo with the Vikings to the... Jaguars last year, it's not like it's full of overwhelming success. Like Nick Foles' one Pro Bowl year with the Eagles, that's Chip Kelly's offense, right? That's right. not Bill Lazor's offense. So I, you can point fingers at Matt Nagy. You know, I think there is value in change and, and maybe giving someone else a chance to find that rhythm. Heck, maybe that is Dave Ragone. He's in charge of drawing up some of the Bears' best plays, apparently. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't know who the leading candidate would be because just of their own histories, the guys on Nagy's coaching staff. That's why I think the argument to do it is more, it's like half change for change's sake, like just to see if 
like try. Nothing else is working. You know, try it. I, I'm not very optimistic that a different play caller would get better results, but it's maybe at the point where it's worth trying. But on the other thing, which I said yesterday, is I, I think it, I think it could be beneficial for Nagy, the head coach, to you know soak in other things that are going on around. Uh, to just not have the play calling off of his plate during a game. I, that's where I think it would be mostly beneficial. I think Andy Reid has done it before. And I think just in terms of seeing things differently, where he's not always buried in his own play sheet, like seeing how certain plays unfold, maybe getting a better feel for you know the actual momentum of the game, Like it could be good for Matt Nagy because he still is a young coach. His play calling experience was not vast, coming here. It was not at all when the Bears hired him. So, yeah, could still be learning on the job. It's not ideal by any means, but just in terms of some of the head coaching things, culture, keeping guys together, having guys gravitate towards him on both sides of the ball. Like, he's got that down. But the play calling, the offensive production, yeah, a lot of concerns about that. Yeah, I always wonder about ego when it comes to something like this, right? And job security. Andy Reid can do whatever he wants, right? Andy Reid's been in the game long enough. If he gives up play calling, you know, his bosses are not going to say, well, if he can't even call plays, what's the point of having him around? Now, I, I agree with you, John Z. I think you brought up a lot of, there, we, we've all seen a lot of really good head coaching qualities that Matt Nagy has. Um, I, I think we've seen the past couple of weeks that there's some questions about timeout usage and maybe having play calling off his plate makes him better at some of those things. Um, but there's also the flip side of, uh, does it show a lot about who you are to have the humility to give something like that up for the betterment of the team? Uh, but I, I just do wonder if someone as young as Nagy in his career, how difficult that's going to be. Because look, guys, Matt Nagy's not going to be the Bears head coach for 30 years. It's just the way football is. So you got to like, you know, these guys have to think about what this means for them in the, in the short and long term. Uh, you know, wh- like, again, you could say, yeah, hey, look, I showed my humility. I did what was best for the team and it worked out. But then it's also like, well, I'm maybe other teams think you're not good enough to call plays. And that could be, you know, not not saying he should be thinking about his resume, but that's just something that could, you know, factor in. But Kevin, I actually made like sort of the opposite argument. I I mean, it was the same point you're making, but from the standpoint of he needs to be worried about showing that he's a good head coach, not a good play call. Like that doesn't necessarily, you don't, you don't have to be the head coach play caller. You want to be the head coach. You're going to make more money. If you're, like we're talking about resume, you want to be a head coach. You want to make more money. You want to be the guy in charge. And to me, that's what he needs to be worried about more. That if we're going to have that conversation, and and I don't think then he has to worry about, um, because as long as he keeps winning games and showing that he's a good leader for this franchise. He's not going to get fired. He's going to buy that time to figure out the offense, just like Lovey Smith. And now I know, understand he was a defensive coach, but you know he got all those opportunities to bring in offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator. Like as long as they keep winning enough games and he's showing that he's the right leader for the organization, he's going to get other chances to to fix the offense potentially with other people. I just think that that's something that he needs to be open minded about that he doesn't have to be the play caller. I think this is a good week to have this conversation, too, because the Saints and Sean Payton are coming to town. And let's not forget 
one of the reasons Ryan Pace was drawn to Nagy is because Peyton and having that play caller head coach pairing with his quarterback. Now that hasn't shaken off at all whatsoever here. Here we are having questions and concerns and exploring concerns about Nagy's play calling. Mitch Trubisky is no longer the Bears quarterback. But I believe Sean Payton has in the past given Pete Carmichael those play calling responsibilities. I know he's given his quarterback, Drew Brees, some of those own responsibilities as well. So it's interesting conversation to have just in terms of like Sean Payton giving things up and letting his guys be his guys in terms of improving the offense. You know, there could be lessons learned for Nagy here if you look at Sean Payton across the field. And it also doesn't have to be a permanent move. Like, it, it could just be the way things go for a month or for the rest of the season. And then you can, just like you said, I mean, Andy Reid gave up play calling for a while. Then he comes back the next season and takes it back over. Sean Payton, same thing. Like, it, it's just something that happens. All right. Uh, it says on my sheet here that, uh, Kevin Fishbane, you have uh, some stats from your All-22 look. Oh, I do. Uh, you want me to hit you with that yards after catch stat first? Oh, yes. Yes. All right. So I looked at the 83 wide receivers and tight ends with at least 19 catches this season. I use 19 to, con- to include Anthony Miller. Uh, of those, and then the, the stat we're looking at here, boys, is yards after catch per catch. Just for context, Robert Woods is second in the league, 6.63. Cooper Cup is fifth. Um, the first bear to appear on this list is Jimmy Graham. He is 53rd, followed by Allen Robinson, 61st, averaging 3.07 yards after catch per catch. Darnell Mooney, 74th. Anthony Miller, 75th. Now, I should point out, Calvin Ridley, 73rd in this list. Stephon Diggs, 76th. So this Kenny Galladay, 80th. This is not like the be-all, end-all to judge how good you are as a wide receiver. But when I, I pointed out those two Rams at the top, you think about an offense that gets the, these guys the ball in space and lets them work. The Bears are the opposite. Well, and yeah, the Chiefs would be the perfect example of a team that um, probably has a ton of guys high on that list. Because one thing I looked up on Football Outsiders is... Um, is it the the DYAR? They got a whole bunch of different stats, but there's one that's specifically on third down. The distance between your air yards on third down relative to where the first down marker is. And the reason I looked this up is because obviously we saw the other night, like they keep throwing short of the sticks on third down. So that's basically what that measures. Where is your, where is the pass that you're throwing ending up in relation to where the first down marker is? And Mitch Trubisky earlier this season, that number was like a 4.3 or something. So he's throwing it relatively far past the line of scrimmage, at least four yards past the line of scrimmage on most third downs. For Nick Foles, it's down to 1.7. Wow. But that's so that's a big difference, right, between those two quarterbacks. But it's also not necessarily indicative to how much success you're having because if you have the playmakers who can catch the ball and get the first down short of the sticks, then you're fine. And the, guess who's, who was the uh, who had the least amount of yards on that? Patrick Mahomes, negative 1.7. So he's like regularly throwing the ball short of the sticks, but he's got the guys to go pick it up. 
And and so that's just kind of blending two different metrics there that, that we're talking about. The well, bottom to, line is the Bears don't have the players that can really pick up the yards after the catch. Right, and, and to answer your about Hogue, where the Chiefs are, so I mentioned the first Bear to come up here was 53rd. The Chiefs have guys ranked 12th, Travis Kelsey, 19th, Tyreek Hill, 45th, Sammy Watkins. Again, I didn't include running backs here, but um, yeah, yeah, it tells you where they are. All right, yeah, here's your fun fact of the day. From my all 22 story that just went up in Hogue, a little podcast energy. I actually built this stat off of your stat in your Bears 10 things about the explosive runs the Bears have allowed this Ooh, season. Okay. So I filtered to just running backs because um, I think yours was just 10 yard runs that the Bears have allowed overall. And remind me, you had that they were second to the Cowboys. Yeah, the Bears are 31st in the league in allowing uh, runs of 10 yards or more uh, with 33 on the season, and the Cowboys have 34, and the Cowboys are by far the worst defense in the league. Correct. So I w- was focused on Malcolm Brown and, and uh, Darrell Henderson from the Rams. So I, I filtered to just running backs. I was curious, how many times the running back this year run for at least 10 yards in a carry against the Bears? Before I give you that, let me go 2018. The entire season, 16 games. It happened 23 times. 2019, whole season, 16 games. 27 times a running back ran for 10 yards or more. Do you guys, John's already knows the answer. Hogue, do you want to guess how many times it's happened to the Bears in seven games? Wait, how many times have... Uh, A running back has run for 10 yards or more against the Bears. Uh, So just a running back. Because yours was all runs. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be close to 33. So 27. Yeah, okay. So the Bears have allowed the same amount of 10-yard runs to running backs in seven games this year as they did the entire 2019 season. That checks out. Like, that that feels right. Yeah. And, I mean, look, I'm going to bet Adrian Peterson had five 10-yard runs in that first Mm. game. Um, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson combined for five on Sunday. Just going through the, the missed tackles, you know, was bad, and, and obviously the Eddie Goldman loss. Uh, and I think too the Rams did a little, showed a little bit of a blueprint. In they really worked to put somebody on Roquan Smith on these runs. Like you could see that a tackle the second the snap was gone was going to find fifty eight to keep him. And the other thing they were running away from fifty two because when they ran in his direction, fifty two made some plays. So, you know, again, it, it, this is this is a thing. It's seven games now. It's not a, it's not a one game fluke. I mean, this is not a very good run defense, especially relative to where they've been at the past two seasons. All right. We got to take another time out. Uh, those are all really good numbers and things that check out with what we've seen with our eyes, I think. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, 
maybe with a Hogan Johns pull or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, wrapping things up with the fish man as we uh, kind of start turning the page to the New Orleans Saints. I don't think any of us are really feeling too, too optimistic about this game. This weekend, but it should probably be pointed out the Saints. Saints are not perfect. Probably not going to have Michael Thomas. Uh, Drew Brees does not have the same arm strength, but uh, they still have a pretty decent offense, and they have Alvin Kamara. Yeah, like I didn't feel good about what the the Rams were before the, they played the Bears. All their wins were against the NFC East, and the NFC East is you know a hot, stinky garbage can this year, and. They outplayed the Bears thoroughly, out-physicaled them, out-tackled them, out-a-lot-of-thinged them on Monday night, and I don't see how this matchup favors uh, the Bears. To, to, to me, like you, you almost can't pick the Bears anymore until you see some significant offensive improvement. Like They're not playing the Lions this week. They're not playing the Jaguars this week. They're playing another playoff-caliber team in the Saints. So I think all the concerns that were there on Monday night are still going to be valid on this Sunday afternoon. I just like, when I think about scores, I'm thinking, all right, the Saints are probably going to put up, what, 23, 24 points at least because they're the Saints. still a good team. And and we've seen the Bears defense, you know, they, they'll, they'll give up some chunk yards. It's like, well, okay, how can you possibly conceptualize a world in which the Bears can score that many points just based on what we've seen and potentially without Allen Robinson and Cody Whitehair. It's just like, like I, I just, you know, I, 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 I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears won, but they just have to, they have to muddy it up. They have to win, you know, 16 to 13 and just have their defense play lights out. Well, we'll obviously spend more time uh, breaking things down on the Saints uh, on our preview episode later this week. But let's go a little bit of big picture, and maybe this is a good way to end the podcast. As you look at it right now, uh, I mean, one thing I mentioned in my 10 Bears things is, you know, the Bears went in that four-game spiral last year, right, when they lost four straight games, and things look really bad against the Eagles. Uh, remember that first half? What was it they had like four yards or something like that? Maybe I'm thinking of the Jets second half this week. But they had it was something like that, like nine yards in the first half against the Eagles in Philadelphia last year. It was something ridiculous like that. Um, so they've been in ruts like this before. I mean, that's sort of the ongoing problem. But by the time they dug out of that four-game spiral, it was too late. You know, and they ended up finishing eight and eight. So I think the challenge right now for this team is to somehow avoid that spiral. And the the tough thing is, you got the Saints this week, then you got the Titans after that, and then you got the Vikings on Monday Night Football. I mean, so 
you have two games against the Vikings left. You have the Lions again on the schedule. You have the Texans. You have the Jaguars. If you guys had to guess right now, I mean, how bad does this get? Is it bad enough that a team that started 5-1 and one won't make the playoffs? Well, I think that's why the 5-1 and one starts so important because you're in this... You're in the meat of the schedule right now. Rams, Saints. We thought the Vikings would be good, but you know they're not. But the, but the Titans might be better than everybody thought they were heading into this season. So you you built yourself this cushion, and I think Matt Nagy and the Bears realized that like those miraculous comebacks are so valuable because of the teams they were playing later, right? So. But but at the same time, if they lose these next two games and they drop to five and four, there's a lot of alarm bells that should be going off about what this team is. It, like they could go into Minnesota and then and stick it up again. Like like nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. Um, I, I think they got to find a way to somehow steal one of these wins against the Titans and Saints. I don't know how they do it, where it comes from. But if they reach five and four, and you got the Vikings coming up in prime time. Like, that's problematic. I think it is. Yeah, I don't think you want that Vikings game to be such a must win. I mean, you should win it. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Johns. I think you got to try to steal one of these because, yeah, you can be five and four and you still have two with the Vikings, one with the Lions, Texans, and Jaguars. Those are five games. You might be favored in all five of them, um, depending on where the Vikings and Jaguars at are in December. Uh, but you can't bank on winning all five of them. Like, you, you could, Matt Nagy could argue to his players. If they lose the next two, hey, we're five and four. We're above five hundred. Those were two great teams we just lost to, um, but but we're, we're we're still in in position to make the playoffs. I just that's hard. That's hard for these guys to, you know, uh, you're playing the season in the pandemic. You had all these things going on, and to lose to have a three game losing streak in the middle um, could be really tough, especially if either of the two losses would be anything like what happened uh, in Los Angeles on Sunday. And uh, by the way, Hogue, you know I looked it up for you. Um, Jordan Howard had 37 rushing yards in the first half of that Eagles-Bears game last year. The entire Bears offense had uh, 32 total yards. Okay. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, you know, the good news is, though, is Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football uh, in a few weeks. I mean, that's kind of like having Lucas Giolito, you know, be the stopper. You, you, you can lose four games in a row, but you got that. You got your ace on the hill. You're going to win that one. You know you're going to stop the losing streak. So uh, nice of the schedule makers, though, to put uh, Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football against the Bears. Adam Johns' guy. How do you like that? Do you like that now? What did, what did he say? He's not my you guy like anymore. That. He you said, like you that? like that? I don't. Yeah, he's not my guy anymore. So uh, that, no, it wasn't I, a I, question. I, it was a you like you, you like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, you. It is a. How could I forget? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anybody likes what he's doing this year, though. Just, hey. just remember, remember all those jokes last year about being in the hunt. Yeah. Like as bad as everything's everything was going, the Bears were still in the hunt that long, and there's an extra playoff spot this year. So things look bad. Um, it's perfectly fair to say that you don't think this is a playoff team. Uh, I'm just saying. When they get to late November, early December, they're still going to be in the hunt, and they're going to have a home game against the Lions, the Houston Texans, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Jacksonville Jaguars in four straight weeks. That's a stretch where you could argue they should go four and zero, even three. You know, worst case, three and one. 
despite the offensive struggles. Uh, and they just a little dose of optimism for you to end the end the podcast. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one more dose of optimism there, Hogue. You know who should be the play caller for the Bears on Sunday? Mother Nature. 39 degrees, 23 mile per hour winds, according to the early forecast against Drew Brees. That could, mm. that could be the best thing going for the Bears on Sunday is to turn it into a weather game. Against Bear the guy, weather. Yeah, against a guy who's historically not done well outdoors in the cold. That's a good point. Uh, counterpoint, Elvin Kamara versus the Bears running game. If it's going to become a running game, I don't like the Bears. Can Nick Foles get it through the wind? That's what she said. <laughs> that's the worst. That's what she said ever. I don't know. That made zero I sense. <laughs> I mean, usually that that joke has like a 99% hit rate and you just found the 1%. I'm done. Right. Tap, tap it out. Kevin, thank you. <laughs> hey, are you guys are you guys dressing up for Halloween? Uh, I'm dressing up as a Northwestern sideline reporter. Nice. In Iowa City. My youngest wants me to be a football guy with him. I like it. Hashtag football guy. <laughs> Hashtag football guy. Yeah, football <laughs> I like guy. It. I like it. Uh, what about you, Kevin? Uh, you know, when your kid is as young as mine, so he wouldn't be trick-or-treating anyways, uh, what you do is you just dress him up for for Instagram purposes. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. And so we, we put him in a pineapple costume earlier this week when he was like in a good mood, took a bazillion pictures, and then he went nuts, took him out of it. Boom. Pineapple. Got it on the gram. Good to go. Okay. Yeah. There you, there you go. Follow Kevin on Instagram. Follow Absolute, him on Twitter. Absolutely do not. <laughs> at Gayfishbane. Adam Johns. At Adam Johns. J-A-H-N-S. Adam Hogue. At Adam Hogue. H-O-G-E. That's where you find us. Read those guys at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Please sign up. Please be a subscriber. You should be. A lot of great deals out there. Uh, and really no excuse for you not to be. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. What are we doing? Our preview? We're doing our preview episode on Friday morning this week, I believe. So it will not be coming on Thursday. It will be a Friday podcast for you. And we will break down the Saints and whatever possible chance the Bears have against Drew Brees and New Orleans is coming. Talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.